is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Special announcement, please don't miss Hannity on Fox tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. He and I, for the full hour together, talking about all things Marxism and more. I think you're going to have a grand time. So that's 9 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. And it's going to be fantastic. All right. You know, Nancy Eva Pelosi puts together this committee of all Democrats and Liz Cheney who are going to investigate what happened on January 6th. Because the Democrats are going to milk this for everything they can as they expand the police state, as they violate the traditional treatment of defendants when it comes to the rule of law and justice. As they attempt to create the impression that it was an insurrection, which is absurd. Nobody's even charged with uh, a cause of action involving an insurrection. These are the same Democrats and their surrogates who are, slowly but sure, overthrowing our culture, overthrowing our governmental system. They want to do much, much more with the courts, with the Senate with legislative processes, with the border, legislating through executive orders, legislating through friendly bureaucrats. Oh, it's going on and on and on. But that's not an insurrection, you see. We all voted for that, don't you know? We have a 50-50 Senate, and Nancy Pelosi's holding on by four votes. They have a massive mandate to destroy this entire country and remake it in their own image, which is a very ugly image, I might add. But some of the areas that will not be investigated on January 6th is exactly what role did the FBI play? Exactly what information did the FBI have? Exactly what did Nancy Pelosi know and when did she know it? And quite frankly, exactly what did Mitch McConnell know and when did he know it? These were the two people responsible for protecting the Capitol building and always are responsible for protecting the Capitol building. 
If the Republicans had any sense, even in the minority, they'd set up their own committee and investigate those very questions. Cash Patel is the former Pentagon official with the Trump administration, and he spoke with Epic Times yesterday. And I want you to hear what he had to say as we proceed on this topic, because it's very important. Cut five, go. Why on January 6th, when it has now publicly been admitted by the FBI that they had information that there could possibly be a situation like that at the United States Capitol, why weren't the cabinet secretaries under President Trump briefed? Why didn't the FBI put a thousand uniformed agents around the U.S. Capitol? Where was the fence? Right. These are the lackings of that led to January 6th. These are the mistakes, intentional or otherwise, that led to January 6th. And if you look at the video from January 6th, and they still won't release all of it, an entire side of the Capitol, I believe it's the south side, was totally unmanned. No police officers whatsoever. And that's where the crowd first came in through. And you have to ask yourself, what happened on January 6th? Now, look, I was chief of staff of the Department of Defense on the 6th. We had offered the Capitol Police and Mayor Bowser of Washington, D.C., thousands of National Guardsmen and women two days before January 6th, and they turned us down. This is one now of many facts that are coming out without the benefit of Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi that are shocking. The FBI had information about a relative handful of individuals who were going to cause trouble. They did nothing. The NYPD and the Norfolk FBI office provided information to the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. What happened? Director Ray says he didn't read it. He wasn't aware that he even had it. It's even more than that. We have some video because they won't release all the video that they have. But we have some video that shows that Capitol Police were allowing individuals into the building and that, at least in many respects, the people were complying with the request to stay behind the rope lines. So there are different kinds of people with different motives that were in that building. Now, what kind of an insurrection is it if the Capitol Police are allowing people in, asking them to stand behind rope lines, and they are, if nobody was armed with weapons and nobody's been charged who went into that building with using any weapons? Insurrection? That's a funny way to have an insurrection. It's absurd. So this is all intended to smear Donald Trump, smear all of his supporters, and now we have Toyota and other companies that were not giving any donations or support to any member of Congress that didn't accept the result of the election. Now, they didn't say that in 2000 when the Democrats were challenging George W. Bush up and down the, the judicial system in the state of Florida and in the federal system. They didn't say that for four and a half, five years when the Democrats and the media were accusing Donald Trump of being elected through Russia collusion. They never said anything of the sort. Now we have the former chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense who says he was the chief of staff at the time and that they specifically offered thousands of National Guardsmen, thousands, to the Capitol Police who worked for Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell 
They offered thousands of National Guardsmen to Mayor, uh, Mayor Bowser of Washington, a Democrat, and none of them, none of them apparently took up the Pentagon's offer. That would be the Trump Defense Department. This is amazing. They cover up all the videotape that's available, and the media could care less. The only way we get videotape is when you have groups like Judicial Watch and others suing FOIA to get information. The networks don't give a damn. MSNBC and CNN don't give a damn. Jeremy Barr, pimpled-faced little puke, he doesn't give a damn. None of them give a damn. Because it undermines and disrupts the narrative. Maybe Liz Cheney should be asked the questions. Why didn't Nancy Pelosi accept thousands of National Guardsmen, Liz? Why won't they release 14,000 hours of videotape, Liz? Don't the American people have a right to know? In the meantime, billions of dollars have been added to the budget of the Capitol Police. Billions, like $2 billion. That's a lot of money. Last time I checked. Is it not? Well, what are they going to do with this money? Wow, they're going to have to hire a hell of a lot more people who are going to be very, very heavily armed, I would think, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. And now they want to open offices in Florida and California. What for? What for? So they can extend their investigations outside the Capitol building into your communities if you're considered a threat. If you write a letter to the member, a member of Congress, the House or the Senate, and not make a threat, and you should never make a threat, by the way, and not make a threat, but you're very upset about something going on, maybe you'll get a knock on the door. You'll get a knock on the door, and it'll be, hi, we're here, we're with the Capitol Police. And by the way, have you been vaccinated? We're just curious. We just kind of want to know. And here's the piece from Fox News. Capitol Police opening up new offices in Florida, California, to handle threats to Congress. Police have been making major security upgrades since the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Now, this is fascinating to me in a very troubling way. So now Congress has a police force, not just to protect the Capitol. Now it is going to operate outside the Capitol in Florida and California. Not the FBI, the Capitol Police. Not even a local police force. A police force for Congress is now going to have offices, operation centers in Florida and California. It is the only police force in America that's actually expanding. It's the only police force in America that's actually getting enough money to do its job. And it's the only police force in America where we don't talk about, are you going to lift immunity? Are they systemically racist? No, no, no. Every other police force in America is systemically white supremacy racist. Every other police force in America should have their budget slashed. Every other police force in America is to be, well, monitored by the Department of Justice. But the Capitol Police, they're different. They're not systemically racist. They should have immunity. Because they're there to protect the members of Congress. Screw the human beings who live in our inner cities. Now, is that not racist? Most of the members of Congress are white. 
Most of the communities that are not being protected by police forces because they're being undermined are black and brown. Will anybody mention that? Of course not. So I'm mentioning it. But this idea now that Congress is going to have not just a separate police force to protect them and their offices, but to now have them in Florida and California, that Congress has its own law enforcement operation that can operate throughout the country? What is that? That is shocking. Has somebody voted on this? No. We don't vote on things anymore. Do we have access to the Capitol to talk to our members of Congress about No, you don't have access anymore. The United States Capitol Police will open new regional offices in response to increased threats to members of Congress since the January 6th Capitol attack the police agency announced. The first announced two field offices. In other words, there's going to be more. It's going to be more. We'll open in California and Florida with additional states expected in the near future, acting USCP Chief Yugananda Pittman or whatever, sent in a statement to say the purpose will be to investigate threats to members of Congress. In a follow-up statement to Fox News, they revealed the new offices will be in Tampa and San Francisco. San Francisco? What a hellhole that's become. It must be because Nancy's from there, huh? And because that's where many of the threats are concentrated and more offices are on the way. You're getting threats from San Francisco? The new field offices will be in uh, Tampa, San Francisco at this time. Florida and California where the majority of potential threats are, they said. And they'll be the first of the department. A regional approach to investigating and prosecuting threats against members is important, so we will be working closely with the U.S. Attorney's offices and those locations, more field offices. We've just created a national police force on top of the FBI, on top of the DEA, on top of the marshals, on top of everything. We just created it. They just created it out of thin air. They just created it out of thin air. Your Congress now has a police force. Now, if you're threatening members of Congress, you know, you should get a knock on the door from the FBI. But I wonder what this threshold's going to be. I mean, it's pretty black and white. If you threaten a member of Congress, you ought to be investigated. But what if you're not threatening a member of Congress? You, say, you know what? I really reject what you're doing. You really have me upset. I really don't like this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run against you. I'm going to send somebody uh, to vote against you. I'm gonna... Are they going to be investigated too? Because of the insurrection. Hence, we need to know why, when the Donald Trump Department of Defense offered thousands of National Guardsmen two days before January 6th, Pelosi and company, and the Capitol Police themselves turned it down. Liz, Liz Cheney, are you out there? Of course you're out there. Never Trumpers. Adam Kingsinger, you, of course you're out there. Ben Sass. Maybe you can help us. How about Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins? Maybe, maybe Toomey, Pat Toomey, he can help us. Maybe Romney, can you answer that question? And does that sound like the Trump administration was in on some insurrection 
which was the basis of the second impeachment? Does that sound like Donald Trump is encouraging people to overthrow the Congress and the government? When his government, when his administration offered thousands of National Guardsmen on January 4th, two days before January 6th, to protect the Capitol building? This whole thing is a crap fest. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. For all their uh, talk, the American Marxists and their ilk against the police, they sure do like their police state, don't they? When it comes to vaccines, when it comes to the IRS, when it comes to expanding the Capitol Police Force, when it comes to the use of the FBI hunting down people, their use of SWAT teams, for all their talk, all their talk, what they really hate are the street cops, the street detectives. We have to keep our communities safe, but they want an all-powerful police state when it comes to enforcing their taxes, their regulations, their fiats, protecting their buildings, not monuments, mind you, not buildings they don't give a damn about, like the White House when it's occupied by the Trump family, or the Portland Courthouse. What do they care that for? I mean, they have their, their target and aim on the court system anyway. No, 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 no. They want an all-powerful police state, FBI, intelligence agencies, expanded capital police. Oh, yeah, they want it all when it comes to enforcing their rules. And again, don't forget, they want to double the manpower at the Internal Revenue Service. If the world seems so confusing, Mark... We'll be glad to clear that up for you. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I'm encouraging you to watch Hannity tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. One of the reasons is it really is, in effect, the official launch of uh, American Marxism. And he does a tremendous interview. Every couple of years when he and I get together, um, he's just fantastic on how he does it. And you can check out MRC, too. We had a great interview with Brent Bozell, absolutely wonderful. We've had great pieces by uh, uh, so many wonderful people. Paul Bedard, Washington Examiner, Jeff Lord, American Spectator, Bozell also, and Breitbart. We will be talking to Breitbart and, and our buddy Marlowe and our buddy uh, Pollock over there, and they are terrific. And uh, more and more and more. There's a number of Fox hosts, too. But it's really kicked off tonight, if you want to check it out. 
Now, there are a few naysayers. It's like 1% or 2% of the people out there who are just constantly negative. Why is he talking about the book? Ladies and gentlemen, the book overlaps with what we're doing. It overlaps with the issues we talk about every day. It overlaps with the issues everybody's talking about every day. But it does more than that. It goes into the substantive uh, aspects of these things. It goes into the scholarship of these things, where it comes from. Then I see some other people post, we're tired of talking about it. What are we going to do about it? And these are people who sit on their asses and do nothing. Nothing. Now, it's a lot of work to write a book. It's a lot of time to write a book, away from family and friends. I don't play golf. I don't play tennis. People say, what's your hobby? This is my hobby. This is what I do. And some people are great golfers, great tennis players, great whatever. I'm a writer and in many ways a thinker. And people can accept it or not. But this is a big deal, this battle that we're in. It is a huge deal. People's lifestyles are on the line. Their kids are on the line in terms of what they learn. The makeup of the culture is on the line. Your liberty is on the line. This isn't a joke to me. This isn't a joke to me. Life would be so much easier if I didn't write a book. But I am compelled to do what my conscience tells me to do. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. And we will come under attack. I will come under attack because just of the name of the book, I don't care. But those of you who do care, those of you who are concerned about the future of this country and are not cynical about me and people who are trying to help save and protect this country, it is you who I am talking to. It is you who I am reaching out to. And you will find as Brent Bozell would tell you, as Jeffrey Lord would tell you, as Sean Hannity would tell you, who've actually read the book, that this is a different kind of book. It's not a superficial book. It's not a regurgitation of everything you see on cable or hear on radio. When you're done with the book, and I hope you'll read it from beginning to end, many of you will skip to the last chapter, which is the strategic and tactic chapter. That's okay. But if you read it from beginning to end, When you're done, you will be so completely informed about what's taking place. And you will be jazzed to help do something about it. That is the purpose. That's all I can do. That's all an author can do. There's no fluff in this book. There's nothing about me in this book. Except at the very end. One page with a picture. And I'll leave it to you to look at it. But that's it. And this is in response to people who always say, Mark, what can we do? And why are they doing this? And who is that? This is my answer to you. We've got to do this. We've got to do it together. And I think and I know we will. We're not going to allow the people who are destroying our our educational system, the people who are destroying our immigration system, the people who are destroying our economic and constitutional systems, we're not going to allow them to intimidate us. We're not going to allow them to trash us. We are going to fight back. We're not going to allow the cynics among us who sit on their asses and complain about everything and do nothing, we're not going to allow them to undermine us. 
Now you look at the American Revolution. We're not going to have an armed revolution. We're not having a revolution at all. We are defending our country. About one-third of the population supported the revolution. About one-third opposed it. About one-third sat on the fence. Wasn't sure. That's pretty much the situation we have today. We should not allow these American Marxists, and you'll know exactly what I mean by that when you read it, we should not, we must not allow a tiny fringe element in our society that has devoured certain critical institutions over the course of the last century. We cannot allow them to dictate what happens to this nation, to dictate what happens to our police forces, to our military, in our classrooms, on our border to our Constitution, to our courts. We cannot allow this poison to spread, or we're going to lose. And we are losing. In my past books, I've pointed out that we're, we're at the precipice looking into the abyss. Well, now we're in the abyss, and we have to claw our way out. And we have to put aside any of these ridiculous surface level disagreements. We have to park our cynicism. And we have to do everything possible. I don't have all the answers. I have many ideas that I want to share with you. And we're going to start on Tuesday. My hands are tied behind my back. We're going to start on Tuesday. And you have many ideas. Or maybe it'll spur and trigger other ideas. That is what we need. That is what we want to do. If we don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. We should take solace in the fact that we stand on the, soldiers, uh, on the shoulders of others who came before us. And even look among our fellow citizens. We have heroes. We have brave people today who are standing up to what's taking place. They need our help. We have numbers. We have resources. There's tens of millions of us. The American Marxists, they expected the proletariat, the masses, they call us, the middle class, to rise up and overthrow the government. Well, we're not rising up and overthrowing the government. They are. If Liz Cheney and the Democrats want to investigate an insurrection, they're looking in the wrong direction. They should be looking at our colleges and universities. They should be looking at the NEA and the AFT. They should be looking at the Democrat Party and most of the media. Because that's where the insurrection's taking place. American Marxism will be out in four days. If you don't like to read, there's an audio version. If you don't like to carry around a book, there's an e-book version. I'm old school. I like to have a book. When I read books, I want to have a book in my hands. And I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. And I have so many books that I have boxes filled with books with labels on them. Because the shelves in our home can't contain them all. But that's just me. Mark, what's your hobby? That's my hobby. I don't have research assistants. I don't have ghostwriters, I don't have co-authors, I don't have any of it. What you read is what you see and what you get from me. 
Some commentators are worried about how much money I'm going to make. I give away more money to causes I believe in than I will make from this book. And I don't have to explain that to anybody. I make the least amount of money from all these efforts I'm under from writing a book. And it's the most, it's the hardest thing you do. It's not fiction. So, even with all this, even with all you, there's no guarantee we're going to turn this around. There's no guarantee that this book will become the American Crisis Pamphlet of December 1776. There's no guarantee. Even if we're all united and implement our various ideas. But what else can we do? Whine to each other? Complain over the dinner table? Expect the very corrupt processes that have done this, our school boards, our, these unions, this clown Biden and the Democrat Party and the rhinos, just expect them to help us? They're not going to help us. They despise us. And for the media, who do I mean by us? I mean every person in this country who loves this country. I don't care what the background is, the ancestry. I don't care what race. I don't care what religion. I don't care what income group. I could care less. That's their game. That's the Marxist game. That's not the game of those who believe in unalienable rights. You and me. We are constitutionalists. We believe in individual liberty. We believe in Martin Luther King and a colorblind society. We believe in Abraham Lincoln, who eliminated the scourge of slavery. We believe in Ulysses S. Grant, who sent the Union Army into the South to defeat the Klan until the Democrats took over the House and then blocked them. We believe in separation of powers, where it shouldn't matter which party takes over Congress, whether or not the courts are going to be independent. And we believe in judges who will follow the Constitution or should be removed from office constitutionally. We believe in a sovereign nation with a secure border so we know who's coming here. We believe that people should assimilate into our culture rather than us assimilating into the very culture that they escaped. We believe in law enforcement to protect our civil society. We believe in the United States military who protected us from Hitler and Tojo and Mussolini and who need to protect us from Xi and Putin and all the rest. And we despise Marxism. We despise their useful idiots. We despise a corrupt media that has contributed to undermining this nation. We despise political frauds like Nancy Pelosi and others who abuse their powers and criminalize politics. We despise the abuse of power, the creation of a police state, while they pretend to hate cops 
We are the people with common sense. Our offense is that we love our country. Some offense. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Biden issued an executive order today as if he's Benito Mussolini. Every one of these damn executive orders need to be challenged in federal court. And they need to be challenged by the private sector. They need to be challenged by Republican state attorneys general. This man needs to be slowed down, if not stopped. And so everywhere possible, we need to use the left's tactics and dragging these things out in court, stopping this man from, from his fiats and his edicts as if he's Maduro or Castro or Putin or Xi, while he whines on about autocracy. This has to stop now because it's undermining our constitutional system. And I'm going to get into that executive order in a minute. It's very important to understand something. In nothing I've written ever, in nothing I have stated ever, do I support violence as a political means to an end, ever. There have been attempts to project that onto me. What's interesting, though, and when you read American Marxism, you'll see, that's not the case in college and university classrooms, where there are, in fact, instructors and professors who preach and write about violence and promote it. Do you know of any Marxist revolution that did involve massive violence and then afterwards massive genocide? Can you think of any? Of course not. It is the so-called left that embraces violence. They didn't repudiate the violence all summer long last year. They lied about it. They celebrated it. That's their core. That's their base even. They embraced it. They excused it. They attacked the police. Stormtroopers, they called them. Racial bigots. Killers. Now, when it came to the Capitol on January 6th, I don't know of any constitutionalist who supported the breaking in of the Capitol building. Or any violence related to that. But we are consistent. We reject it all. But we're also consistent when it comes to the rule of law and justice. How is it that Black Lives Matter rioters, Marxists, anarchists, are not rounded up by SWAT teams? Not investigated by the Internal Revenue Service? Not subjected to a Democrat Committee of Congress to oversee what they did? But instead, the name of the organization, a Marxist, anti-American, anti-Semitic organization that preaches the overthrow of the white dominant society. How is it that mayors across this country embraced it? How is it that the President of the United States embraced it? You don't see us embracing Klansmen and 
neo-Nazis, which is a term that better fits a number of members of the House Democrats, by the way. So just to be abundantly clear, everything I talk about involves liberty, the Constitution, law and order, and peaceful actions, peaceful strategies, peaceful tactics. The press doesn't embrace peace. The Democrat Party doesn't embrace peace. It's been a violent party since it was founded. Academia doesn't embrace peace. You and I, we do. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. All right, I haven't commented on this in many days. And I may surprise people. You know, I tell everybody, I call it as I see it. Whether it's my colleagues, whether it's the news, whatever it is. I don't go out of my way to poke people in the eye. Or we'd be here all day poking people in the eye, wouldn't we, Mr. Producer? I do think after watching and listening on this NSA business, respecting uh, Tucker Carlson, that this is a very serious matter. And that it is a very serious matter that does need to be investigated. And I'll tell you why. We saw the politicization of the FBI, federal prosecutors, and the intelligence services throughout the Trump presidency. To the extent we could gather information, no thanks to the media, we found out that they were spying and individuals in the Trump campaign, and that they tried to set up the President of the United States. To the best of my knowledge, nobody has been prosecuted for this. Comey goes on to a teaching position at a prominent Virginia college, William and Mary. McCabe winds up with a prominent book deal, a or rather, a prominent position on one of the cable networks and a profitable book deal. What has happened to these people? Nothing. Where's this former U.S. attorney who was investigating Russia collusion? I don't know where he is. He went into the witness protection program. So, where maybe 8, 10, 12 years ago you would have thought this was the business of fantasy, you can't think that anymore. And isn't it interesting that the media in our country are defending the NSA? They don't have the facts. They don't know a damn thing. Because they do not believe in the civil liberties, the due process rights of individuals with whom they disagree. 
They want everybody who protested on January 6th destroyed. They want anybody, anybody who is even close to the Capitol building imprisoned. Solitary confinement, fine. They don't give a damn. They don't give a damn about due process. They don't want to see video. They don't want to know anything. Meanwhile, their rioters and arsonists and looters are protected, many of them. Many of them. Abuse of power. In Unfreedom of the Press, I wrote about this. We had administrations that used the Internal Revenue Service, the FBI, and the CIA against their political opponents, even within their own party. We had Robert Kennedy use the FBI to spy on Martin Luther King. Nobody wants to talk about that. Through J. Edgar Hoover. And tapped his phone. Can't talk about that either. Lyndon Johnson used the IRS, CIA, and FBI also to spy on Martin Luther King, but also Hubert Humphrey, his vice president. He had his phones tapped because he wanted to know what Humphrey was saying about him when Humphrey was running for the Democrat nomination for president of the United States. Where Franklin Roosevelt, who used the IRS to go after Huey Long, who was assassinated before he could actually, you know, finish the job on Huey Long, who was a crook. He used the IRS to go after Andrew Mellon, who was honest as the day is long, the former Treasury Secretary, the Treasury Secretary, I should say, under Coolidge, because he didn't like him and wanted to shut him up. He used the IRS against the owner of the Philadelphia Inquirer because it supported his Republican opponents. These things happen, and they happened during the Obama administration. The IRS. Nobody was ever prosecuted for what that IRS did to conservative Tea Party individuals and organizations. Nobody. Widespread corruption. You see the lawlessness in this administration. They ignore our immigration laws. He's signing executive orders like he's Benito Mussolini now. He did it again today. And the courts which we used to rely on to protect us, don't protect us. We have Obama appointees in Washington, D.C., who put Manafort in solitary confinement, who put a gag order on Roger Stone, Obama hack. So the idea that the NSA was just listening in on conversations on Putin and the rest, which they do, I'm sure, as a routine basis. And that's all there is to it. Well, we need to know that for sure, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? I can assure you, if the shoe were on the other foot, and if it were Wolf Blitzer or Jake Tapper, or if they were listening into Tubin and his various sexual nonsense, or they're listening in to any of the, of the reprobates, the Democrat Party operatives, like Chuck Todd or George Stephanopoulos, that the sky would be falling today. So the question is, what's taking place here? And the question is, does Biden know about it? Does the CIA director know about it? Does the head of, of all intelligence, the director of national intelligence know about it? 
And the Democrat Party has no interest, none whatsoever, because of what I said at the beginning. If you're not with them, they don't care if they criminalize politics. They don't care what these agencies are doing. They're all for it. They're all for it. And so we do need to get to the bottom of this, in my humble opinion. You know, this can happen to any of us. We have these things that go on in this country that you and I can't really get our hands around. They're just not tangible. They're not concrete. The NSA, what is the NSA? How many people are there? Now, I'm not saying we should know information that helps our enemies, and we have many, but we know almost nothing. All the way to the teachers' unions and how teachers are selected and how teachers are rated and what's in their contracts. We keep paying for everything, and we know nothing. Nothing. And as I said at the top of the first hour, the Democrats hate cops on the street. On the street, They hate detectives on the street. They're of no use to them because they're protecting regular people. So they use that situation and exploit that situation to preach and push racism. And the civil rights hustlers like Sharpton does exactly the same thing. And the down-for-the-revolution billionaires like LeBron James and Oprah Winfrey do exactly the same thing. And the clowns who are coaches, make that jerk in San Antonio, what's his name? And Kerry and the rest of them, down for the revolution. What the hell are they doing today? Nothing. Nothing. But they're going to muscle up the Capitol Police Force. Now the Capitol Police Force is a national, federal law enforcement, police agency. They want to massively increase the internal revenue staff to go after you. We have an FBI and Department of Justice completely out of control who've rounded up almost 600 people related to June 6th. How many BLM people have they rounded up? None that I'm aware of. How about Antifa? None that I'm aware of. Isn't that amazing? So yes, this is serious, and yes, we need to get to the bottom of it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. People have asked me, so let me give you an update. You're owed it. The, at the Reagan Library, uh, the seats have sold out except for the... Um, those areas, the, 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 what do they call those rooms? The overflow rooms, of which there are a few hundred seats available. But you'll still get to meet me and so forth. So you can also go on a waiting list as well. Uh, so I want to encourage those of you who still want to come to come. Uh, you still can get your book signed. You can still purchase a book. We're still going to have a great, massive event there, an in-person event. You go to Reagan Foundation. What is it? ReaganFoundation.org slash Levin. ReaganFoundation.org slash L-E-V-I-N. You can still buy books signed. You can still come and meet me and get in line and sign a book, and we can say hello. You can still go to the overflow rooms. 
Uh, go on that site, it'll tell you what to do. But those are selling out now, too. And I'm guessing that by the end of the weekend, everything will be sold out. So if you're thinking about it, I think you need to act, if you're going to act anyway, tonight, tomorrow morning at the very latest. Because I know how this works. So it's reaganfoundation.org slash Levin, reaganfoundation.org slash L-E-V-I-N. Very special Hannity tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for the entire, entire hour, excuse me, uh, it'll be Sean and me, so I think you're going to enjoy it. Usually enjoy it. I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I do. And um, uh, I hope you'll check that out, too, uh, because I think that'll be very, very interesting. Do we have any callers, Mr. Medusa? I can't even get my call screen working here right now. I know you sent them to me, but I can't, I can't pull them up fast enough here. On the Levin app, Myrtle Beach, Lance, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. We have a mutual friend, a late mutual friend, Tom Marr, and I know he's spinning. Oh the my goodness! Yeah, I miss um, Tom a great hey, deal. A, yep, absolutely. And and I'm almost glad he's just like my dad. I'm almost glad he's gone not to see this. Oh my lord! But, um, yes. One of the things that I, I think we have to look logically at one six and uh, understand that was the end of the election debate, if you realize that. It, I call it the end of the actual uh, the, the exclamation point to the insurrection. The insurrection started 11-3. But we have to ask ourselves logically, if the FBI did not know, and this is some big bungle that they say, oh, well, we just didn't know, and we had no idea. Let me slow you they, down. We know some in the FBI did know. We know the Norfolk branch knew that there might be an issue because they were informed by the NYPD, which is the greatest police force on the face of the earth. There's many great forces, but look what they've done to that police force. And so we know that much. And the questions have been raised about Director Ray. This guy is, is like a, a clerk. He's like a bureaucrat. Well, you know, he talks into his chest. Uh, he doesn't really look you in the eye. He cocks his head in a strange way. He's just a, a strange dude. He, he really has no energy, no motivation for the job, any, any level of seriousness, in my humble opinion. And that information came in the form of a memo. They had to confess. There was information. There were some warnings. But the director didn't get them in time. Or he got them, but he never read them. And yet the Pentagon was prepared to send thousands of National Guard troops to protect the building. Now, isn't this strange to you, Lance? Well, yes. And here, here's why it's really strange. Because not only did they know the capability of the threat, and they knew the scope of the threat, if they didn't know all that going forward. I'm, I'm not one of these people who says the FBI was involved, but how could they not have been? Because the, if you didn't know the capability and the scope of the threat, how did you possibly have the floor open for voting two hours later? I mean, it doesn't make well, there's a lot of questions. Uh, I, I mean, I cannot believe, if there's some kind of threat assessment, that the FBI just sits on its ass. And are we supposed to believe that? Or the Capitol Police, which we're now giving billions more to, so they can open first two offices, one in Tampa, one in San Francisco, but they're going to have a nationwide network of offices now. A new federal Law enforcement. Now, Nancy Pelosi called federal law enforcement stormtroopers. And yet, apparently, they're not stormtroopers if they work for Nancy Pelosi. What do you make of that? 
All right. These are rhetorical questions. Well, Republicans want any of this. All right, Lance. Thank you for your call, sir. Let's continue, shouldn't we? Let us go to Dustin, Petford, Vermont, Sirius Satellite. How are you, Dustin? Hello? Yes, go right ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, well, um, first of all, I just want to thank you, Mr. Levin, for what you do. Well, it's, thank you. To me, it means a lot. I'm a veteran. God bless you. Like, knowing that there's people that are really trying to fight for the country, having served my country, you know, it just, it means a lot to me because uh, I've lost a lot of hope, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I gave my prime to this country, mm-hmm. you know, and I was yep. proud I, yes. to do it because I learned my history and my history of America and how it was founded and serving mm-hmm. my country meant the world to me as a young man. But, yep. um, and I'm sure it means a lot to active duty members knowing, you know, if you're serving in all this, you know, butting heads is going on back at home. I mean, it just must be awful, but knowing that there are some people fighting for the con- constitution and really, really doing the job. I'm, I'm grateful for you. And-, and I'm grateful to you, sir. I want to thank you for your call. Thank you very, very much. All right. Uh, let's see. Let us go to Jesse, Odessa, Texas, Sirius Satellite. Jesse, how are you? On Sirius Satellite. Jesse, go right ahead, please. Going once, going twice, going thrice. Sorry. Sold. Wait a minute. That's an auction, right, Mr. Producer? I'm too busy watching the Gem Shopping Network. <laughs> Sorry, I, I did. Not a lot I can do about that. I did. All right, now, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, Al Sharpton, a true reprobate, Miss Green, and malcontent, which is why he is on MSNBC, as opposed to real conservatives, who, of course, are just too over the top to be on that network. We have Kamala Harris at Howard University. And they have a theme going now. Republicans don't want blacks to vote. Now you talk about inciting violence. When you have the Vice President of the United States and a Class A reprobate like Al Sharpton making these comments, and they're not the only ones, when you have uh, the dunce in the padded walls in the White House doing the same thing, and his spokes idiot doing it, Republicans don't want blacks to vote. Is that right? And where are all these blacks who haven't voted because Republicans have stopped them? Where are they? Have they gone into court? Is there a class action suit? Am I missing something? Where are they? Who are they? I want to deal with this when we return. I'll be right back. American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Hey, by the way, I should have meant, don't forget my Sunday show at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll watch it. Uh, I will talk the first half of the program. I think you'll, uh, 
I think you'll be uh, interested in that. And then we have the great Bob Woodson on the second half of the program. And it's a very, very thoughtful program. And I think you're going to enjoy it. I hope so. So that's this Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, I don't do a conga line of guests, folks. I know other people do. And that is very interesting sometimes and to, to a lot of people. But I, I just have chosen to do my television show differently. So I hope you'll join me Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. And tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Hannity for the full hour. I hope you'll check us out. Actually, I meant to get into this other point, and then we will get into the, uh, the incitement of violence by telling people that they're not able to vote now because of Republicans, which is a grotesque lie. Biden signed today a sweeping new executive order aimed at cracking down, now listen to how the media write this, on anti-competitive behavior by big tech and other sectors, including labor, health care, financial services. 72 actions and recommendations. The order is intended to promote competition in the U.S. economy by encouraging more than a dozen federal agencies to scrutinize corporate mergers and other ways that a growing number of companies build their outside market power. You know, this is a joke. The idea that the, the, mo- the biggest monopoly on the face of the earth, with the most resources and the most personnel on the face of the earth, that's involved in credit, debt, Housing, landlord, tenant, pensions, health care, transportation, you name it. Every damn aspect of this society and this economy. It's the greatest, most massive monopoly on the face of the earth. And in addition to having that kind of economic control, it has one other power. It makes the laws. ExxonMobil doesn't make laws. And they say they're doing it for you. This constant war by the Biden administration on the private sector. He has massive taxes in store for these companies and for you. Massive regulations are already being spit out at breakneck speed. Now he issues a fiat from the Oval Office. This is a man who's never worked at a 7-Eleven. This is a man who's never worked in the private sector. This is a man who's never hired a single individual in the private sector. He doesn't know how the private sector works. And there he is, issuing fiats. He's against consolidation, except when it comes to the government. That he wants complete consolidation. Says he's looking out for the consumers. Have you looked at the price of gasoline lately? The price of food? The price of clothing? The price of automobiles and homes? Inflation's going through the roof. And this wrecking ball, this human pandemic, is concerned about competition, no no less. They want to take over the courts. They want to take over the Senate. They want to take over the legislative process. They want to take over our voting system. The borders are wide open. They undermine the cops. They underline the military. And they're not done. They wreak havoc on our culture. And now he wants competition in the private sector. That's not what he wants. He wants an all-powerful Department of Justice. He wants an all-powerful FTC. He wants an all-powerful SEC that are run by his minions, by his comrades, by his hacks. To control the economy. That's exactly what's going on. 
That's exactly what he's going. He wants to urge the FTC and the Justice Department to challenge prior bad mergers that past administrations let slide. This is their language. To undo mergers. The FTC to ban or limit non-compete agreements and occupational licensing requirements that the White House argues impede economic mobility. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a nationalization of economic activity. To prevent internet service providers from striking a deal with landlords that limits tenants' choices, which the White House said can prevent broadband infrastructure expansion by new providers. Allowing hearing aids to be sold over the counter at drugstores. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to manage drugstores? They're going to manage grocery stores? They can't even manage the damn border! Unbelievable. And by the way, they call it the American Economic Liberties Project. Are you kidding me? It's a massive executive order. You know, we used to have what's called statutes. And these statutes, they used to require a vote of a majority in the House, a vote of a majority in the Senate. And then the president gets to participate by signing them that the legislative process is done that way. Instead, we have this munchkin, this mental midget, Who's handed these documents? He can't read them. He's slobbering spittle all over the documents. He's signing them. Sometimes he's actually signing his own name. What's the big deal? He's just issuing one law after another. The big deal is we have separation of powers in this country. And because it's 50-50 in the Senate, and Eva Pelosi's holding on by the skin of her teeth in the House... He's just taking it over. He's doing it himself. Everything needs to be challenged in court. This man needs to be challenged. He needs to be slowed down. This agenda, the manner in which this agenda is being imposed upon the American people, and the consequences of this, both constitutionally and effectively, has to be confronted. Has to be confronted. And you know what? This kills entrepreneurship. So you're trying to start a business. You're a little guy or gal. You got all these rules and regulations and taxes and red tape and complications now. This guy's smothering the economy with a pillow. He's taking a pillow to the economy. That's what he's doing. And he doesn't give a damn. He's got 50 years worth of a government pension that you and I paid for. He gives speeches, slobbering, mumbling, slurring his speech. They couldn't pay him enough. And Dr. Jill, of course, $17 million in about two years, sets up two S corporations so he doesn't have to pay Medicare taxes. He doesn't have to pay Obamacare taxes. But come on, man. Come on, man. They're rich, over $400,000 a year. they got to pay their fair share. Come on, man. He's got that reprobate son of his. A sleazeball in every single respect. Chip off the old block, if you ask me. Now he's selling paintings. And we don't know who the buyers are. Oh, now how many Republican administrations could get away with that? You know how they had the elephants paint, you know, with their trunks, Mr. Producer? Their paintings were better than Hunter Biden's paintings. Biden's making a fortune off paintings. He's a painter. 
He's an energy expert. He's an expert on Amtrak. Expert. This guy's unbelievable. For a former cokehead who cheated on his, who just cheats all the time on everything. This guy's a renaissance man. He's unbelievable. What are you picking on Hunter for? Big targets. Biden targets. Big tech. Now, we all hate big tech, but it's not just big tech. This is a misleading title, and it's a misleading article. This is across the board. This is, a, this is across the board. Joe Biden. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have never worked in the private sector. A trifecta of morons. Their staffers have never worked in the private sector. They're counter-revolutionaries, or they're think tank types, or, or they're professors. And so they want to control the private sector. Just sign the document, Joe. Is that the way this is supposed to work, ladies and gentlemen? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Kamala Harris, she's our dim-witted vice president, who is the vice president to the dim-witted president, so it's quite frightening. If you ever had the 25th Amendment, I think we need the 25th Amendment for the president and the vice president. And then in steps Matilda, I mean uh, Eva Pelosi. We need the 25th Amendment for her too. Because Stretch Pelosi's had so much work done, I, her eyeballs are popping out of her house, and I say that in her head, and I say that with all due respect. I, I really think it's an abuse, whoever the uh, plastic surgeon is, not doing her any favors. Don't you agree, Mr. Producer? It's painful to watch, quite frankly, I, I must say. So if they want to keep wearing masks, I'm not against it, personally, for my own safety and my own uh, uh, mental uh, well-being. Anyway, where was I? Kamala Harris is at Howard University yesterday. What did the genius have to say? Should we reimagine voting? Cut to go. Today I am pleased to announce that the Democrats are making a $25 million. Thank you for your leadership. And, um, oh, wait a minute. That's good. And on that point today... Stop, I'm- please. Today I'm pleased to announce that the Democrats are making a $25 million investment to expand the I Will Vote campaign. She says, this campaign is grounded in the firm belief that everyone's vote matters. That your vote matters. And we saw this in 2020. More Americans turned out to vote than ever before. In the middle of a pandemic, America, you masked up. You mailed in your balance. You did not let anything stop you from making your voice heard. And we're going to spend $25 million to expand it further. I wonder where that money's going. I'll tell you where it's going. To the ambulance-chasing, slip-and-fall lawyers who come into these states destroy the voting systems, violate our federal and state constitutions, and then if you dare to stand up to them and dare to say, wait a minute, you don't get to do this. The state legislature does, and they want to go pre-pandemic, even though they want to expand voting. Whoa, you must be Jim Crow. What? Oh, yeah, you got to be Jim Crow. That means you don't want blacks to vote. Excuse me? Cut three, go. So far this year... Yeah. 17 state legislatures have uh-huh. enacted 28 new laws mm-hmm. that will make it harder 
for Americans to vote. No, it won't. Today in America, it's easier to vote than any time in American history. It's easier to vote in America today than any time in American history. And I'm sorry if we put you out because we want to make sure it's your signature. We want to make sure that's your ID. We want to make sure you're, you're actually a citizen of the country and live in that particular precinct. I'm sorry, does that offend? Does that offend? I'm sorry we don't turn the system inside out and hand it all over, the whole damn thing, to the Democrat Party and their frauds, phonies, and fakes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we don't do what the American Marxists want us to do. And they're so worried about the vote, ladies and gentlemen. Let me ask you a sec, a, a couple of questions. This massive government that they've built, do they care if you vote or not? Do they care at the EPA or the Agriculture Department? Do they care at the Energy Department? Do they care? Do they care at the Justice Department? Do they say, hey, look, the people have voted. We need to respond appropriately. Do they care? Do the courts care? Does anybody care? Look, this is the game. This is the ruse. When the Democrats win elections, then the elections are fair and square. When they lose elections, then it's because of corruptions and Jim Crow, anti-black and so forth. So any Republican who wins is illegitimate. They did it to Reagan. They did it to Nixon. Even Ford, who didn't run, who was appointed, he did it to him. They did it to George W. in 2000. And, of course, they did it to Trump. There's never been a legitimate Republican president. Every Democrat, though, wow, mandate. Mandate to change the world. Now, when they lose elections, then they rely on the massive Leviathan that they built. They don't give a damn what you think. They've got their bureaucrats, they've got their public sector unions, they've got whatever they want. So they believe in democracy when they win. They believe in the permanent administrative state when they lose. Go ahead. These bills now, be clear about enacted, these bills have already become law. Really? They are now on the books. Yes. And that's not to mention the nearly 400 bills that state legislatures are attempting right now to pass. What does it matter if there's 400 bills or 4,000 bills? Notice she doesn't discuss what's in the bills. Not once. She's at Howard University. She doesn't discuss what's in the bills. Nor does she discuss what's in her bill. 16 and 17-year-olds registering to vote. Anybody support that? Eliminating voter ID. Anybody support that? Eliminating signature verification. Anybody support that? That they will allow individuals to register to vote, not citizens. Anybody support that? That they oppose cleaning up these election rolls, even though people die and move. Anybody support that? We can go down and down and down. Isn't it amazing that we never see graphs? We never have discussions in the media on what the Democrats are proposing and what the Republicans are proposing. Instead, we get... Uh, Jim Crow, and look, they've got 28 new laws in the books to make it harder to vote. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Only one hour left in the show. This show is really moving and grooving, right, Marvin? Show's moving and grooving. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Reminder, I just feel so bad when people miss out here. I get these contacts. There's nothing I can do. But go to the reaganfoundation.org slash Levin. You can still buy the books. You can still attend the book signing uh, on Saturday, August 14th. And we have some of the overflow room left, although only about 50% of that is left. So I'd love to see you by hook or by crook. If you happen to be in that area, we'd love to see you. So it's reaganfoundation.org slash Levin. I'm sure by the end of the night or certainly by the end of the week and all these slots will be taken. So... ReaganFoundation.org slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Please don't forget, one hour from now, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right at the opening, Sean Hannity and I will be on Fox on the Hannity TV program. I think you're going to like it a great deal. Uh, Don't forget Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, my own show. I I always appreciate you folks watching it, and uh, it's the highest-rated Sunday night show on cable news, and that's you. It's not me. I'm just one person. That's thanks to you. And so I want to thank you very, very much. And American Marxism, the time has come. It's four days away, literally four days away until its release. And I very much appreciate everybody participating because this is what we have to do, really. I want to read something to you. Maybe I should whisper. Maybe I should whisper. I want to read something to you. You ready for this? Here it goes. Here's the headline from The Federalist. New evidence indicates enough illegal votes in Georgia to tip 2020 results. Hold on now. Yellow. Hold on. Am I banned from saying that, Mr. Producer? Now, if I were on Twitter or Facebook, they would ban me, wouldn't they? Maybe I'll get a memo. You never know. You know where those memos go, Mr. Producer? Into my shredder. And unlike, what's that idiot, Ron Emanuel, I still have my middle finger because I know not to stick it in a shredder, you idiot. You know how he lost his middle finger? In one of those meat slicers, like at a deli? Probably talking and talking, Whoa, wait a minute, my finger's in here. All right, let me go on. Margaret Cleveland writes, In Georgia, there was both an audit and a statewide recount confirming Biden's victory, but ignored in the process was evidence that nearly 35,000 Georgians had potentially voted illegally. And this, of course, is what Kamala Harris means. Wait a minute. Count every vote. Dead, twice, illegal, whatever, whatever. They're out to get you. They're out to get you. They want to stop you from voting. Let me go on. This is Margaret Cleveland on a reputable site. New evidence indicates that more than 10,300 illegal votes were cast in Georgia in the November 2020 general election. What Margaret doesn't understand is this the first election in American history where there was no fraud or no failures. She doesn't understand this. A number that will continue to rise over the next several months, potentially exceeding the 12,670 votes that separated Biden and Trump. While this evidence does not change the fact that Biden is our president, she writes, all Americans who genuinely care about free and fair elections, like Kamala, of course, 
and the disenfranchisement of voters should demand both transparency and solutions to prevent a repeat in future elections. This evidence also vindicates former President Trump and his legal team for the related public and private comments and legal arguments made in challenging the Georgia election results. Uh Uh-oh, the bar in Georgia might get very, very upset. Under the cover of COVID-19, Georgia, like many other states, flooded residents with absentee ballot applications. Also, like sister states, Georgia ignored various legislative mandates designed to prevent fraud and to ensure the integrity of the vote. These facts, coupled with the closeness of the presidential contest in Georgia and other states, led to a flurry of accusations, litigation, charging voter fraud, illegal voting, violation of the electors clause of the Constitution. That's where I hung my hat, by the way. Still do. Still the missus does, too. In Georgia, there was both an audit and a statewide recount confirming Biden's victory, but ignored in the process was evidence. Hello, evidence. That nearly 35,000 Georgians had potentially voted illegally. Now, this is remarkable to me. According to Kamala Harris, people are too stupid to get a voting ID card. Right, Mr. Producer? License and so forth. And yet, every single person who voted did it properly. The Democrats are so full of S, it's not even funny. And by S, of course, I mean sausage. Under Georgia law, residents must vote in the county in which they reside, unless they change their residence within 30 days of the election. As Jake Evans, a well-known Atlanta election lawyer, told me, outside of the 30-day grace period, if people vote in a county in which they no longer reside, their vote in the county would be illegal. Clearly that's racist, wouldn't you say, Mr. Producer? That's clearly aimed at the African-American community. Why? I don't know. It just everything seems to be. Soon after the November general election, Mark Davis, the president of Data Productions, Inc., and an expert in voter data and analytics and residency issues, obtained data from the National Change of Address, NCOA, database that identified Georgia residents who had confirmed moves with the U.S. Postal Service. After excluding moves with effective dates within 30 days of the general election and by using data available from the Georgia Secretary of State's office, Davis identified nearly 35,000 Georgia voters who indicated they had moved from one Georgia county to another, but then voted in the 2020 general election in the county from which they had moved. Uh Uh-oh. And by the way, no wonder the Democrats want to do away with this. They are saying... Hey, look, if you vote in a precinct where you don't live, enjoy, enjoy. Because they want to enshrine fraud. Because that whole damn party is a fraud. Some of those moves could have been temporary, involving students or members of the military, Davis stressed, adding that under Georgia law, temporary relocations do not alter citizens' residency status or render their votes illegal. But given the margin separating the two presidential candidates, approximately one-third of the votes at issue could have altered the outcome of the election. Yet the media, the courts, and the Secretary of State's office ignored or downplayed the issue. I wonder why. It was disconcerting to see the media and the courts largely ignore serious issues like these, especially since the data ICE was seeing showed very legitimate issues, Davis said. Now, see, this will be pushed off as fringe, as violating this or that. The, the Apparently, the nationally imposed... Um, uh, censorship rules that do and don't exist. But in the past, we were allowed to discuss stuff like this. 
The Democrats did it all the time. They, they even concocted stuff. They made up lies. And all the Russians, who they love. They love the Russians. They love the communists. But in this case, no, 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 no. In fact, he said, I heard members of the Secretary of State's team admit some votes were cast with residency issues, but then claimed there weren't enough of them to cast the outcome of the election in doubt, Davis added. That was not at all what I was seeing. As far as I am aware, the Secretary of State's office has never put an actual number on the ones they did see. So while frustrated, Davis, this data expert, told me that he never stopped working on these issues. He said, in May, I received an update voter database from the Secretary of State's office, and I imported the data and compared voter addresses to the NOCOA information I processed in November. So when Davis ran the data, you know what he found? Approximately 35,000 Georgians who indicated they had moved from one county to another more than 30 days before the November general election as of May, more than 10,300 had updated their voter registration information, providing the Secretary of State the exact address they had previously provided to the Postal Service. Those same 10,000-plus individuals also all cast ballots in the county in which they had previously lived. Wow. So they cast ballots in the new county and in the old county, Mr. Producer. No wonder Kamala's out there saying... Hey, you know, they want to take the vote away. They want it. It's one vote, one person, one vote, Kamala. I thought we used to support that. That number continues to increase every day as more and more people update their registrations, Davis said. I have little doubt that the total number will eventually meet and then exceed Biden's margin of victory in Georgia. Davis, who has testified as an expert witness multiple times in disputed election cases, believes Trump might have won. A challenge to the Georgia election results had a court actually heard his case. No, we can't do that. In fact, we're going to disbar these lawyers if they, if they stand up. Oh, my God. We're going to take our money away from these law firms that dare to bring these cases. Under Georgia law, a judge can order an election to be redone if he or she sees there were enough illegal, irregular, improperly rejected votes to cast the results of the election in doubt. Or if they see evidence of systemic irregularities, Davis said. The issues were absolutely systemic, he said, noting they occurred in every county in the state, in every state house, state, state senate, in every congressional district in the state. Now, Evans, who holds the distinction of being the only lawyer in Georgia history, successfully overturned two elections in the same race, concurred. Under Georgia law, he said, an election should be overturned either if one more votes than Decided the election were illegal, wrongfully rejected, or irregular, or two, when there were systemic irregularities that cast in doubt the results of the election. In the case of the 2020 general election, he said, Davis's analysis indicates both factors have been in place. So that goes on. But don't tell anybody. No. Don't say anything. You'll be a kook. Inciting an insurrection. No. Don't say anything. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let us go to Brian in Cadillac, Michigan. XM Satellite. Brian, how are you, sir? Hey, um... In the Keogh decision, the Supreme Court changed from public 
use to public purpose. Aren't the, the COVID shutdowns and a lot of these executive orders for the public purpose? And if they are, shouldn't they be forced to compensate the people that have been... No, it's a little different here. First of all, the Kelo decision was outrageous. They're required to compensate under the Fifth Amendment's takings clause. And Kelo did expand the power of the government to uh, seize private property uh, and to protect it for private purposes under the notion, Sandra Day O'Connor wrote this, that it would create a tax base and that the tax money would go to the town. Therefore, uh, the taking was permissible. Now, as for uh, the taking of businesses and so forth and so on, that would be a, a step further. In other words, it, they didn't take anybody's property for the purpose of producing anything. They prevented people from using their private property under these emergency fiats. So that doesn't really come within the kilo takings uh, argument. Well, we could expand it. Okay, <laughs> we don't get to expand it. it. Yeah. All right, my friend, good try. I do appreciate thinking outside the box, and we're going to do a lot of that. I thank you for your call very much. Seriously, that's good thinking. Uh, Let's continue. Roger, Newton, Kansas, the great KNSS. Roger, you're on. Go right ahead. Good. Good evening, Mark. Yes, now I've made it all the way to Hutchinson now. You're in the car, okay. Hutchinson's, yeah, and Hutchinson's home. But I'm home. I'm out of the car now, so good evening. Yes, sir. How can I help you? Well, I wanted to bring up the uh, similarity with the way that the Biden administration is deserting the people of Afghanistan who supported us and worked with us and how it resembles almost exactly what he did when he was a member of the 93rd and 94th Congress to the people of South Vietnam, where I was serving, when we pulled out of there... 93rd or 94th? We weren't in Vietnam in 93 and 94. No, no. You mean 73 and 74. Well, the year was 73. I was there in 70. I got out in the fall of... I know, but sir, we didn't leave Vietnam in 93. We left it in the 70s. 95. All right, thanks for your call. I, uh, Mr. Producer, am I missing something? I don't want to be rude. Were we in Vietnam in 1995? Okay. I just, I, I got I to keep rolling here, that's all. And I want to thank you for your service, but I think you mean the 70s. It happened when uh, Gerald Ford was president. Uh Biden got elected in 72. He began serving in 1973. And really, he had very little say over it. It was uh, the Democrat leadership, and they had their votes and so forth. And yes, they abandoned the South Vietnamese people. It was horrific. Look, look at Biden. Look at, look, the caller's right about something. Let's think about this. And I brought this up the other day. Biden doesn't blink about what's going on on the southern border. The horrendous conditions, what's happening to little kids, what's happening to women... MS-13 coming across, drug dealers coming across, coyotes coming across. He doesn't even blink. He doesn't lose a minute's sleep over what's going on down there. The BBC has to go down there and Fox and a few others. That's it. America media could give a damn about those human beings. 
Look how he's pulling out of Afghanistan. It is a disaster what he's doing and the way he's doing it. The media could give a damn about any of that. They don't care. And the gentleman's point, he's got his years wrong. Yes, Biden was part of the Democrat Party that did exactly the same thing to the South Vietnamese people. And the communists slaughtered 80,000 of them. Just think about this. He's propping up the regime in Iran, which slaughters and tortures its own people. Talks about critical race theory and transgenderism. They slaughter gays in Iran. They slaughter people in Iran. He doesn't blink. Doesn't blink. He's not a man of compassion. He's cold-blooded. He has ice water in his veins. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. And that's a fact. And same with the American media. And I point it out over and over again. The New York Times leads the media in this country. Even the Washington Post follows the New York Times. CNN, MSNBC, they follow the Times. They read the Times. The producers, the hosts, the contributors. NBC and ABC, CBS, same thing. Their morning shows, their Sunday shows, same thing. And what is the New York Times? It is a lousy, disgusting piece of crap newspaper that has a history of covering up genocide throughout the world, whether it was against the Ukrainians or the Jews. And people want to work for these newspapers. That's the history of the New York Times and the Washington Post and their parrots. That's the history of Joe Biden, what I just discussed with you. I'll be right back. Liberty's voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. Reminder, ladies and gentlemen, in literally 25 minutes, I will be on Fox on Hannity TV, 9 p.m. Eastern time for the full hour. I hope you'll join us. I think you'll enjoy it and be intrigued by it. Again, 25 minutes from now on Fox, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Hannity TV. Please don't forget, I'm just trying to give you a heads up. Trying to be a good guy, reaganfoundation.org slash Levin, reaganfoundation.org slash L-E-V-I-N. I haven't looked lately, uh, but I was told earlier in the day, you can still buy books, you can still attend the book signing, and uh, you can still get into the overflow rooms there. Um, I try to do this every two years, who knows how often I'll be doing it, but it would be wonderful if, uh, if as many of you as possible can show up and we can at least say hello to each other. Uh, before that's all gone, the the other seats are all gone. So uh, I just know how fast this happens. Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, that great... No, Jimmy's gone. Levin app, Amanda, Wilkes-Barre, North Carolina. How are you, Amanda? I'm well. How are you, Mr. Levin? I am very well, thank you. Um, I was calling because, uh, in addition to the obvious um, overarching restrictions of, you know, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, and everything in the Constitution proper that uh, allocate responsibility for elections to the state. If you actually look at the text... To the state legislatures, uh, yes. Yeah, 
But if you also look at the amendments, um, 14, 15, 19, 24, and 26, I believe, they actually specifically state citizen or citizenry. And the 26 changed the 14th from the age to 21 to 18. Yeah, but the problem is this. They screw around with the language in the 14th Amendment. We've talked about this over the years, but not lately. Uh, where they claim uh, that somebody who's born in the United States or somebody who steps into the United States under certain conditions is a citizen. And I've argued that there can be no such thing as birthright citizenship. You don't see that in the Constitution, do you, Amanda? Not at all. Yeah. No, but so they interpret the 14th Amendment, which was never, ever intended to have birthright citizenship, as a constitutional uh, requirement. And people are trying to figure out when did this start and how did this come about. And we think it started in the early 60s through the Social Security Administration when it was issuing checks. And so it's pretty much been the position of the courts. And circling back to today's news, Joe Biden has just issued another fiat, whereas President Trump said, if you're pregnant and coming into the United States, we're going to deport you. You cannot use our laws as interpreted in order to create citizens. Joe Biden said, oh, yes, you can. We're no longer deporting pregnant women. And we have an entire industry out there, particularly from, uh, from, the, uh, from parts of Southeast Asia, where this is what's done. Go ahead. Um, yes. What about the 26th Amendment that stipulates you have to be 18? What about it? Wouldn't they that- said you can register to vote, not that you can vote. You see, they're kind of slimy, the Democrats. So they'll say it's perfectly constitutional. We're not saying they can vote. We're saying they should register to vote so when they turn 18, they're ready. But here's the problem, Amanda, in America. If you're not going to have any processes in place for checking registration, for voter ID, for voting in the same precinct, and if anybody dares to confront anybody at the precinct and questions them, they can be subject to criminal penalties, that means illegally and unconstitutionally, 16 and 17-year-olds in some level will be voting. But their response to that is, we're not telling them to vote, we're just saying register. Pretty slimy, isn't it? Very. All right, Amanda. By the way, you're very sharp. Are you, uh, what do you do? Uh, well, actually, I'm taking some time off right now. I've been ill, so. Oh, I'm sorry. You going to be okay? That's okay. I'm hoping to. <laughs> Let me tell you, you're very smart, and you sound like a very lovely young lady. You hang in there, okay? Thank you. All right, God bless you. Gee. You know, you never know what people are dealing with, do you, Mr. Producer? And look at her. She's obviously ill. She calls the program. She's concerned about her country. She's really read up on the Constitution. I mean, that's very, very impressive, Amanda. And uh, maybe call next week. By then we'll have some books. I I would have loved to give you a book. We don't have any right now, but we will. And, uh, And others, too. Uh, let us go to Larry in Wilmington, North Carolina, the great WAAV. Larry, are you there, sir? Go right ahead. How you doing, young man? I appreciate talking to you. Not that young, but thank you. 
Well, anyway, you're younger than I am. <laughs> okay. I have a question for you, though. Yes, sir. This critical race theory, which I call critical race trap, mm-hmm. has everybody ever thought about later down the road if this Theory goes through the schools and on and on we go. Has everybody, anybody thought about there will be nobody enlisting in, into the military? Just remember what's behind all this. This was invented by a Marxist. It is a way to defeat America from within. That's their point. They hate this country. And they hate capitalism, and they hate our Constitution, and they are racists, for the most part. And that's what this is all about. A simple way to remember this, as I've been trying to create parallels here that people will remember, this is Louis Farrakhan dressed up as scholarship. Hates white people, anti-American, anti-Semitic, and even worse, the overlay is Marxism. That is, the overthrow of the culture, the overthrow of society. That's the bottom line. If you want a simple understanding of what this is, that's what it is. Now, in American Marxism, I go into great detail of how this came about, who's responsible for it, and so forth. So you're fully armed with knowledge and history and so forth. What do we need all that for? So we know what we're dealing with. That's why we need all of that. That's why when you see these old movies or you've served in the military, you see these generals putting the maps out. They have to study what's going on. That's why when Patton, in in one of the biggest tank battles in World War II, not the biggest, but one of them in North Africa, defeated Rommel, what did he say? I read your damn book. Remember that? Well, I've read their books. I know who they are. I know what they're doing. I've read their damn books. And that's very, very important to know how to deal with them or to try to deal with them. Larry, thank you very much for your call, my friend. Let's continue, shall we? Yes, we can. Joe Lasill, I guess it is, Illinois on the Mark Levin app. Joe, how are you, sir? I am good. Thank you for being a voice for truth for all of us. Oh, thank you. I have called because one of my great concerns is the division in this country, and I believe this book that you've written gives us an opportunity to unite behind truth and use that as the ground, the foundation, to move forward and take this country back. That is my hope. That is my hope. It'll be up to all of us uh, to talk through it, to discuss the ideas in the book, And then all of you to decide what you want to do in your communities. And I'm going to do everything I can to help each and every one of you. And there are people who are activists now and people who aren't. Who may have some brilliant ideas sitting around the dinner table and so forth. In other words, I'm going to tap into the genius of American patriots, of American citizens. As well as provide what are a significant number of ideas that I have myself developed in the book. And we'll see where this takes us. Because we have patriots already in various school districts and so forth carrying the flag. But there's not nearly enough. We have 15,000 school districts in this country. 
The NEA has 3 million members, and they're working at this every day. The AFT has 900,000 members, and they're working at this every day. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Busy weekend. Hannity. I will be on Hannity in 10 minutes on the Fox News channel. I will be on Fox and Friends Sunday sometime between 8 and 9 a.m. And I will be on my own program, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, on Life, Liberty, and Levin. So I hope you'll catch us and, uh, and we'll get this thing marching and get this thing going. All of us, together. We the people. That's the way I feel. I'm going to have to get my beauty rest tomorrow, Mr. Producer, with all this stuff coming up. And uh, I very much look forward to all of us pulling together, working together on this, thinking through everything together here, ladies and gentlemen. I want to use this platform as best as I can for all of us to help preserve this country. That's the goal. And in honor of you, and in honor of America, and all the great men and women who've come before America. Here we go.
All right, America, here we come. Here we come. Watch Hannity in literally five minutes on Fox. I'll see you there for the full hour. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And my little Barney. Good night. And good night, Dad and Mom. And I hope you're proud of what we're trying to do here. And good night, Leo. We love you all. Ladies and gentlemen, the battle is engaged now. 9 p.m. Eastern on Fox. I'll see you.